All right, welcome back to another Michigan edition of Real Talk. Jeff here. Dan, what's up, dude? What's up, my man? Oh, living the dream, living the dream. Just watched a, a nice Michigan Wolverine hoops win. I uh, I figured we'd we'd do something. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit off air about doing some hoops this season. And uh, while we're not going to dedicate episodes quite yet, I figured we'd do a, a quick a quick little little section of the pod today. A little hoops. What do you think? Absolutely. So. First off, I want to say this for most people that aren't that maybe did watch the game, maybe they didn't watch the game, maybe they don't know much about uh, what's going on tonight. So Michigan opens the season at number six. I think that's a fair ranking. Uh, they were drastically underranked last year, and I, I I thought that and said that going into the season that I thought Michigan was drastically underranked, and uh, they went on their run and I think got. Elite I don't know eight, if they ever, I yeah, but I don't know if they ever got to it the number one ranking in the country. They might've uh, got, you know what? I think they did. I think they were at number one for at least, a, at least a week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, they, they made it to the elite eight where they, they had lost, where they lost to the eventual runners up, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, regardless, um, this season, they, they decided they open up with Buffalo at home. Buffalo, for those of you who don't know, are actually picked to win the Mac this season. So, and the MAC is not necessarily a joke when it comes to basketball. They usually have a couple of good teams, maybe one or two, and they've had some teams that have done well in the tournaments in years past. Ohio actually beat the Ohio Bobcats, beat Michigan and Trey Burke's freshman year. So, they've had some success in the tournaments here and there. But Buffalo is actually predicted to win the MAC, and Michigan handled them nicely. They had a, a big first half lead, let it go, and ended up winning by I think it was just about 15 points just now. Uh, what did you think? Do you have an initial uh, initial reaction of what you've seen and what to expect this year? Well, um, I, it wasn't until about mid game. I I, uh, I was on uh, the Twitterverse and I um, I noticed that Buffalo was uh, or is the favorite uh, to win the MAC. And you're right, the big the the MAC um, usually can put um, a, a, a solid like three teams uh, every year um together and you know sometimes they they can make um some noise uh on day one in the tournament um you know i think uh uh you know usually it's akron kent state buffalo usually those three uh you know bobby hurley the former duke great point guard um he's no longer with buffalo but he kind of uh gave him a nice spark a few years ago and i believe i don't know if it was last year uh, maybe even a couple of years ago, I remember Bobby Hurley got them to the 14th seed, and I think they upset the first, up somebody. Oh, excuse me, up some upset somebody in the first round. Um, but looking at tonight, you know they're big, physical, they're uh, really good on the defensive uh, rebounding. Um, they they did a little di- uh, slicing and dicing uh, through the paint against Michigan tonight, and while they fell behind by double digits in the first half, they came out in the second half swinging. And uh, they were a little chippy uh, moments there, and um, they were they're definitely playing to win. And uh, that was nice to see that they didn't give up at the in the locker room. Um, but overall, with Michigan, I think definitely sixth is a is a solid, uh, fair ranking at this point. Uh, they have a lot, a lot of young talent on that team that Jawan Howard's put together. And what I really like is, granted, you know, John Beeline took us to success we haven't seen in damn near 20 years uh at the time but Jawan Howard is um has got more of a traditional size down low 
and, and one or two guards. With Beeline, it was usually four guards and a forward. And so when you got teams that, like, are Buffalo, they eat you up on the boards. And so you have to rely on, on making shots. Now Michigan is still trying to get that physicality down low, but um, they got big bodies now. And Musa Diabate, he looks pretty damn good. Caleb Houston looks good on the wing. And, uh, of course, we got Big Dickinson Energy back for his uh, probably his final year here. But uh, lots going to be going for them. Yeah, uh, a couple of things to note. So you, you brought up Juwan Howard and, and what he's already done at Michigan. Uh, you know, through two years, he has 42 wins, which is the most in program history. And that you could argue the two best coaches in, in Michigan basketball history are Steve Fisher and John Beeline. Steve Fisher won 37 games his first two years. Beeline won 31. Howard, 42. So he's already off to a super hot start. And obviously this team has a lot of high hopes with a ton of five stars, as you brought up. Um yeah, I mean, there's a lot to go over here. So, I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time here, but Janeth Williams, Buffalo's best player, he went for 32 tonight. Uh, he averaged 17 and a half last year, so they had big plans for him. Um, it, he, he was easily a, an issue, and I don't think they thought he was going to be as big of an issue as he was, but I thought we, we countered perfectly throughout the game, and Hunter had 27 tonight, which was magnificent, obviously, going down the stretch. Um Putting you on the spot here, but, uh, you know, before we move on, I figured we'd do a, maybe a, a like, dislike, and more of like we do for football. Is there anything you liked just in your brief watching tonight? I, def- I, I like Terrence Williams. Um, making some, uh, splashing some threes. Uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of expectations from him this season. And with lo- losing uh, a couple guys in the NBA, you know, uh, Wagner and Livers, they, they, there's holes to fill. And uh, Jawan Howard and company are expecting a lot out of them this year. And I feel like, you know, this is after just one game. But uh, if we can get these guys that were playing in the two-hole last year to step up and really, um, you know, get that leap forward going, I think, uh, I think the sky's the limit. And I think that starts with Terrence Williams. Well, shocker there. I also have Terrence Williams <laughs> in my notes. Uh, just because of his bench energy, I thought was huge. I did not expect him to be nearly the factor that he was tonight. And mm-hmm. you could argue without him tonight, we, we might lose this game. He was tremendous. Uh, two for three from, from beyond the arc, too, which was, weirdly enough, really the only outside shooting that we had was from him early on in this game. Um, but I also really liked um, Debate. I just thought he was... It showed that it was his first game, but at the same time, it's like, holy hell, where's this dude going to be at in 10 games? Like, mm-hmm. we might have, we might have something scary here. Uh, you know, I'm seeing tweets all over Michigan Twitter. It's like, Jawan Howard has a massive problem <laughs> because mm-hmm. who's gonna, he's got he's got Houston, Hunter, and Debate. I mean, those three dudes alone, holy shit, you put those guys all on the court. And obviously, yep. you have to, at some point, you have to make room for Eli Brooks. And... Mm-hmm. You know, Brandon Johns, I thought would have been better tonight with with the time that he got to step in for Isaiah Livers. I wasn't super impressed with him, but uh, anything you disliked? Um, I wouldn't really say. I mean, again, this is the first game. I mean, Ohio State had, would escape a bullet, dodge a bullet against Akron. So yeah. I know a lot, of, a lot of a lot of teams, man. It's just kind of like college football, man. I want to say they're tune-up games, but it definitely. I mean, it's been a while. 
uh, that, since you've been on the floor. And yeah, um, you know, I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, Buffalo, pretty physical, lengthy team, and they uh, they kind of got their way a few times on the inside. So uh, I think Michigan needs to uh, definitely focus on their paint uh, and the defense down low and, uh, you know, you'd be a little bit more of a bruiser uh, with those two big guys down low. Yeah, for me, I was just, you know, looking over the box score and watching the, the whole game. I, I There was a glaring issue to me. This team can't hit free throws. It's really bad. 60% tonight, 18 of 30. 30 free throw attempts, they hit 18. That's a problem. Um, moving forward in Big Ten playing a close game, you got to have people that can hit a free throw, which was not exactly mm-hmm. something I want to see. And then I just alluded to it earlier, and I don't want to make a huge deal of it, but like Brandon Johns, I didn't think he was as good as he probably should have been after really playing pretty well last year in the six-man mm-hmm. role off the bench. And then being able to come in at the end of the year for livers, I thought we'd get more than five points out of him tonight in what, for a minute there, became a pretty Mm. close game. And then, not that I disliked it, but I do have like a, a, maybe a slight confusion. There didn't seem, I don't know how much of the game you watch, if you watch all of it or parts of it, but there didn't seem to be a clear direction in the point guard area. Maybe that's just him trying to figure things out tonight, but... You have, uh, is it Deontay Jones? Deontay Jones was the transfer from Carolina. Carolina. I think it's DeMonte. Okay, so he only played 18 minutes, which was by far the least amount of any starter, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you have Frankie Collins, who came gave you seven minutes off the bench. Um, obviously, we know Eli Brooks is more than capable of running the point, though they don't ask him to do it a ton. He did run a little bit of that tonight. There was no Zeb Jackson. I'm not sure if that's due to an injury. But you would have thought at this point he would maybe step into some sort of role there. I don't know. I just would like to see some consistency, I guess, in in that role because mm-hmm. Michigan. You could argue, and I would argue, that Michigan's their deep runs are always because of a good point guard. I mean, I said this on Twitter the other day. I got a lot of pushback, but I I stick to this. Xavier Simpson was fantastic at Michigan. Trey Burke was fantastic. Derek Walton, uh, Mike Smith. I feel like I might be even forgetting somebody. Um, Obviously, Novak. Mm -hmm. Those guys, they lead us into deep playoff runs. And if we don't have that guy, for some reason, I don't think you can just go off Hunter Dickinson or even Caleb Houston. I feel like you need some sort of, especially in the Big Ten, you need a point oh, guard to get you there. And I don't know. I didn't see anything from a point guard tonight that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And Frankie Collins, mm-hmm. obviously, his highly touted four-star kid. But mm-hmm. uh, And then, last but not least, anything you want to see more of? Uh, more of uh, – touching on what you said, uh, there definitely is um, – and something to keep an eye on was the, was a point guard play. And, uh, yeah. you know, DeMonte, um, is he's from coastal Carolina and, you know, he lit it up. I mean, uh, I think he averaged, I could be wrong. I think he's I think 19, he I think. like eight, yeah, 19, 19 points, 18 points or something like that. So, uh, he can do it. Um, you know, it's first game again. And so we'll see what happens. You know, Eli Brooks is not, you know, I love the kid to death, you know, for his leadership and effort. But, um, you know, Eli Brooks isn't a full-time point guard. He's, he's better coming off the bench in that role or playing the two. Um, so hopefully that gets straightened out. But, uh, you know, talking about free throws, 
you know, one of the free throws I did catch, you know, when I came back from doing whatever and I saw the the ball hit the backboard was uh, DeMonte up at the, for the free throw line. I think he went uh, three for five. And so you want to see you want to see your point guard be automatic from there. And Michigan, I'll say this right before we go into the football, you know, Michigan struggled uh, to hit free throws all season in 2018 when they went to the final four against Loyola. And um, uh, uh, Mar was the only one who could hit free throws on that whole team. And he was like 83 percent. So it wasn't that spectacular, but he was relied on, I think, in a few games, two down the stretch, because no one else could hit a damn free throw. Um, so hopefully that's not an issue. You you can make, like I said, you they made it to the Final Four without being spectacular there, but they had good point guard play, so they had something to make up for. But, yeah, they definitely want to see them tighten it up. Yeah. We do have a hoops question. Uh, awesome. coming in. Coming in from Lato, any thoughts on Michigan only having Dickinson and Brooks on the Big Ten top 25 list? Also, Dickinson being number four. Not sure if you got to see the top 25 list that the Big Ten Network put out. I thought it was highly laughable. Uh, They did have Dickinson at four. They had Cockburn at one. Uh, A couple of other names. I'm not super potent in Big Ten basketball play. I'm not going to lie, but I do follow Michigan. Obviously, everybody knows Kofi Cockburn. But uh, they had Cockburn at one, and then they had Dickinson at four. Eli Brooks, I think, came in at somewhere like 18 to 19, I think. But what do you think? Disrespect on, on Dickinson's part? or I mean, I, I think so. And, you know, Cockburn was supposed to be going, uh, I think he was supposed to transfer or something, or, and he decided last minute to come back in, or maybe it was the NBA draft. I can't remember. But he came back, right? Um, and he's suspended for the first three games irrelevant to the rankings i don't know why i even said that but i think hunter dickinson should be at least two maybe in front of him um but i i mean it's just some bold bogus rankings or whatever to get people chatter and it's it is what it is i mean just go out there and do your thing man i mean who cares no i'm with you i think what michigan did tonight playing a, a very good opponent to start the year and how they looked for the first half, and then they were able to close out the game. Hunter Dickinson will do enough talking throughout the season to get himself in the National Player of the Year discussion. doesn't really matter that he wasn't put on the top 20, or wasn't in the put, number one. I do think it was interesting, though, when you look at the, the Naismith watch, they have Dickinson and Caleb Houston, but yet Caleb Houston wasn't mentioned as a top 25 player in the Big Ten. It is what it is. Sure. I, I thought he had a solid first half. He struggled down the stretch to really find himself and fit in this offense, but made a big three late. So I'm excited for him and we'll keep it from there. So ready to talk some football. Let's do it. All right. So last time we talked, we were a little upset. Michigan, Michigan state, all that good shit. So uh, Michigan responds with a win against Indiana at home at night, 7.30 kickoff time. Michigan picks up the win, 29-7. to um, Blake Corm does get hurt in the game. Hassan Haskins, I'll tell you what, he carried the load, 27 carries, 168, and a touchdown. He also had a catch for 20 yards. Um, lots, of, lots to unpack here. We're not going to go super deep into just the actual game. I mean, I'm assuming anybody that's listening to this probably watched it, but um, initial reaction with, with Michigan coming in and taking care of an opponent that they should beat after a loss, 
and you know being uh being in contention still for a big ten title well I mean thought it could definitely have been a lot more i mean we 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 reverted back to you know having red zone woes, so we settled for some more field goals unfortunately um but yeah, this is a Hoosiers team that uh is not living up to expectations um from the preseason. And uh, Penix Jr. didn't even play. I had mentioned last week that I think a key part of the game was making him in, uh, to, to put into uh, some bad situations in the passing. Um, and he didn't even suit up. They had a, a freshman and a freshman and a half play here, I believe. And uh, Michigan's defense suffocated him, only cornered on the ground. And, um, I mean, 88 yards receiving. So, I mean, Indiana was pretty much uh, garbage on offense. And, um, you know, Cade McNamara, 10 for 18, 168, two touchdowns. Uh, again, kind of like how we talked about the Northwestern game. You know, going into this, they're going to rely on the run, uh, and they're going to move on to next week. I feel like when they're playing the teams that uh, are a little lesser than them, while they don't want to overlook them, uh, they're going to um, just grind you out and, and get in, get out. And, the good thing about Michigan in here is, is they didn't let uh, the Indiana of old or since the mid 20 teens uh, to sneak up on them a little bit because Tom Allen is that type of coach that uh, can get these guys fired up for these types of games. So they avoided the upset alert and uh, they put them away, man. Um, I mean, to me, the game was kind of blah. I didn't watch every second of it. I was kind of, I had, uh, some uh, things I was got, I was doing or whatever that night. I was uh, visiting some friends, but from what I seen, I mean, it was just kind of whatever, typical, whatever. Yeah, I wasn't uh, completely locked in either. I was I had the game on the whole time and I was watching, but we had some friends over and um, family friends. But we, uh, I thought here's the thing. I, I've come to just understand that a win is a win, and you got to move on and. You can't beat everybody 50 to zero. And I, I know for some weird reason, that's everyone's expectation with Michigan this year. It's a failed game if they don't do that. But I'm sorry. I'll take a 29-7 victory over Purdue upsetting us. You know? So um, there's, a, there's a lot to like and there's a lot to dislike. And we'll talk about that here in a second. It's just like we, we move on. You know, we we suffer a loss to Michigan State. We could have very easily dropped another one and lose focus. But as a lot of the boys, it seemed to be the trend. It was like they had the catchphrase, somebody's got to pay. And they made Indiana pay. 29-7, I think, is a fine win. Um, Could it have been better? Absolutely. I think they're allowing Jake Moody to be their crutch. I think they need to be way more aggressive. But... uh, Hopefully that that stuff can can still get cleaned up and uh, there's a big weekend game this week and obviously against Penn State. What did you like this week? Obviously Haskins was huge. I think that's probably the easy one. Is there anything else that uh, that pans out with Quorum going down? <sighs> Tight ends in the red zone. I've been calling it for gosh damn. I mean weeks now and you know Eric All seemed to be a little bit banged up so he didn't really play or play at all. So, uh, Schoonover, the backup tight end, goes in there, catches two touchdowns, no big deal. Um, not necessarily size mismatch type plays, like, you know, fade routes or uh, over the top. Uh, it was more bootleg action type deal or up the seam. And um, 
you know, that's what I like to see, man. And those were in the red zone. And, um, again, when Eric all gets healthy and gets back in there, uh, I want to continue to see that, man. And I, I was super excited to, uh, to catch Schoonover on the second touchdown, man. I'm like, wow. That's... So we do, we do have a guy in the two hole in case Eric all does get hurt again. But, um, yeah, man, for sure. You know the crazy thing, and I'm not. You just you said you you weren't you were off and on watching this. I'm not sure if you got to see the catch that Schoonmaker had for a touchdown that was called back because they was out of bounds. He had a nasty one hander for almost yes touchdowns of the day. He hauled yeah. it in, but he was out of bounds. Um, man, a little, little, I, uh, little Mike Jacecki ish. Yes, yeah. You know, I'll I'll give him this. He's a He's a shifty little tight end player, dude, and I maybe that's something that you need to do if you're trying to fix these red zone woes. Different formations, different guys in there. Obviously, the receiver packages and stuff that you're using aren't working. So sometimes you just gotta try other things. Um, I agree, though. I ha- I have uh, Haskins and Shoemaker as the things I liked. Um, anything you disliked from this past weekend? Um, and you know, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. Um... I'm just going to be kind of beating a dead horse every week because Michigan is overall pretty well-rounded team. And so I also think that with Michigan State, despite them falling to Purdue, uh, and the, the fl- one of the flaws that Michigan does have is the red zone. So until further notice, man, I don't want to be beating a dead horse every week. But, man, uh, you just you got to punch it in, man, especially – uh, when you're when you travel to Happy Valley this weekend, and when you play Ohio State, because Ohio State can score in a, fl- a flick of a switch, and Michigan is ground you out. And if you if you're gonna be playing keep up here, man, you're gonna need every you're gonna need all, you're gonna need all the points you can get. Yeah, I mean, obviously the red zone has been an issue, and it's going to continue to be an issue, but I also feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. Uh, I dislike, and I, I, I hate being this, this guy. Cause I, I'm, I'm not somebody that likes to tear kids apart, but I don't even put it on, on this person. I put it on the coaching staff. I just, I'm, I'm out on JJ. I don't want to see him play anymore the rest of the year. Um, I thought he was completely ineffective against a bad team. He comes in, he goes five for 10, 55 yards in an interception, no touchdowns, two carries for negative 14 yards. I'm sorry, but like, that's, that's not enough that, that right there, I can't justify putting on the field. And a lot of that was in backup duty. That's why he got so many attempts. So I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, obviously the, the pick and choose plays, but I just haven't seen much to justify putting him on the field. It'd be one thing if every single time he's out there, he's home run ball or he's making these huge plays and he's never turning it over and he's giving your team a spark. He's not. It's like fifty-fifty. Sometimes right. it's a sometimes it's a negative. And I'm at this point, and I, and I keep talking about this with with some you know other Michigan fans I talk to besides you. This team, if I'm not mistaken, has only turned the ball over from a starter twice this year, and it was Cade both times. Cade late against Michigan State, and then earlier on in the year he had one against uh, Nebraska, I think, on the road. Okay. Yeah. Out, yeah. Outside of that. I think J.J. McCarthy leads the team in turnovers, okay? And then you have some backup receivers and backup running backs. Diamond Edwards has a 
I'm sorry, this team isn't good enough to overcome JJ's mistakes. So why put him in? Why put him in that position? He's like, he's clearly not ready. And I'm not trying to make this a JJ thing, but it's like, I don't know what Jim sees. I don't know what Jim's trying to press. I don't, I just don't get it. I'm so, at this point, we know what this team is. You just said it a second ago. We know exactly what we're getting every single week, which is almost a good thing. Kind of a bad thing, but almost a good thing because in my, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but in my opinion, we have a very good chance against Penn State this week, especially because we know we get every single week. We know we're going for 200 on the ground. I think the passing game is good enough to keep us in the game. We're not going to turn it over. And if we do, we probably lose, just like against Michigan State, where we turned it over twice. You know, it, I think we can avoid that. The way you yeah. avoid that, though, is having Cade run this team. He's the leader this team needs, man. Um, yeah, I just feel like I'm beating the dead horse about JJ, and I'm not trying to, but that's where it's, I'm at. Yeah, but you're but you're, but you're right. He, it's not like the packages are different or anything like that. I feel like this would work if you had a player like in there like Denard Robinson, where he, you know, whether he's in the game or not, you know that his feet are still a threat. When JJ's in there, sure he can be a little shifty, but it's not like he's gonna turn on the afterburners and blow by it. He hasn't proven that yet. And I'll say this before we go into what we want to see more of. Um, he's already burned his red shirt now. So I don't, I don't know, man. I just, again, Jim Harbaugh is a fascinating person. And for better or worse, man, it, I don't know. I, <laughs> it is, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. I just, part of me wonders, like, does Harbaugh just like out of nowhere, Say, all right, Cade, get off the field, go in, JJ, and then Gaddis is supposed to call a play based off that, or is it Gaddis saying, "Hey, this is the play we're running, so make sure JJ gets." I'm. S- Those are questions I wish I could ans- ask because it's like, where is the JJ coming from? Like, at what point are you like, "Well, we think Cade's limited in the red zones, so we're bringing in JJ." If that's the case, I would almost understand it, but he's all over the field. Sometimes it's on first down. Sometimes it's on second down. Sometimes in the red zone. Sometimes it's back at your own goal line. Sometimes it's literally in a crucial third down in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Mm. There there doesn't seem to be a rise or reason to it. So I I can't necessarily say it's just, it's just red zone, but uh, more of, for me, I'll start here. First off, we've talked at nauseum in a good way about Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo um, about being just, animals this year and unblockable well taylor upshaw decided he wanted to join the party uh tackle for loss this week uh, i think two tackles for loss yeah and a sack i thought that was huge love to see more of him moving forward we're, we're definitely gonna need him against penn state against ohio state coming up in these next couple weeks because you know we've talked again i just said a nauseum eight hutchins is a, a projected I, I think he's projected in the top five in the in the NFL draft this year, uh, Mel Kiper's big board just debuted um, David Ajabo up to ten. So Ajabo is yeah exactly, and I I've almost said a couple different times, gosh is Ajabo better than Hutchinson? You know obviously you'd want to say that Hutchinson's getting so much attention that Ajabo is benefiting from that, but now I think both of those guys are getting so much attention. Upshaw is able to get in there and, and Taylor's making an impact. So what do you want to see more of? Uh, I want to see more of uh, what we used to call speed and space. I, 
There was one play, um, A.J. Henning ripped off an 18-yarder on a reversal. Um, I kind of want to... I kind of want to start seeing that more. I know when we got Corm and Haskins in there, we, we kind of ride the bus between those two. But uh, I don't think we're mixing it up enough. And uh, I think after Michigan State, I think we need more Andre Anthony in the screen game or on the crossing routes. Um, and maybe they did them against Indiana. We just didn't uh, have the time or they didn't hit the target uh, when we needed to. But uh, I just want to see more um, – over the middle. I want to see more of A.J. Henning catching a reversal. Hell, I wouldn't even see with that speed Andre Anthony taking a reverse himself. Just something, um, another wrinkle that I think we need to be exploiting um, a little bit more. And uh, before I stop, you know, I, I don't know if it if this is his only uh, um, finalist uh, uh, accomplishment, but uh, I did see that uh, Aiden Hutchinson is um, – uh, the semifinalist for the Rotary uh, Award. I'm not sure if he. I feel like if he's up for the uh, is it the Rotary right? Uh, I think so. Sounds I, right. I mean, he could be for the 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 Bronco Negrusi Award too. But so there's definitely a contention to bring home some hardware at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, Aiden has had a great year, and we expected that. And then a job will kind of definitely burst on the scene and now Taylor Upshaw, who I think we had high hopes for to start the year is starting to get his name in there. So good to see. Good to see. Um, anything more on Michigan, Indiana, before we move on to our Penn state predictions? No. Um, well, let's do this. Let's get into the mailbag before we go to Penn state. And, uh, what's going on with, uh, before we get into these, what's going on with, Mel Tucker and, and Coach Harbaugh. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. All right. So, yeah, obviously, um, Jim Harbaugh does not shy away from making comments about the officials. Uh, we've uh, we've said before the 2016 Michigan Ohio State game uh, put a hole in his soul, and um, you know there were some pretty blatant, just awful calls, and. But Jim Harbaugh is weak. I even said I think last week, the week before. It seems like every week, um, the rumor is is that he's he's blowing up the Big Ten office, uh, putting up disputes against you know the non-holding calls against Aiden Hutchinson. Well, same thing happened with the Michigan State game. Obviously, the big glaring one was a fumble sack that was reversed, and uh, Jim Harbaugh was asked in a press conference. It's not like he went out and publicly said this on Twitter, and it's not like he was like, hey, before I take any more questions, Big Ten responded. He didn't. He was asked, and he responded, and he said the Big Ten acknowledged that they had made a mistake on overturning the sack fumble touchdown against uh, Michigan State, Aiden Hutchinson, and Peyton Thorne. And then, uh, an hour later, um, uh, broke Twitter for a second. Uh, Mel Tucker, quote, uh, was in his own press conference, and he said, um, I don't like to talk about bad calls. Uh, that's not part of our culture. We don't like to make excuses about anything. I think that makes your program soft. I think it gives your coaches and your players a way out. So I don't even like to talk about it that much. Now, with him saying that, at first it sounded like he was jabbing at Jim Harbaugh. He could be still j- uh, jabbing at Jim Harbaugh. But Michigan State also had uh, issues with 
uh, Purdue in that game with the refs. Apparently there was a targeting call that was BS, blah, blah, blah. So um, maybe it was a two birds with one stone there for Mel Tucker. Um, I think Mel Tucker, I'll say this real quick before I pass it off to you. I think Mel Tucker looks the shame enough to be a pretty damn good coach, right? Um, but I think he's a bitch. And part of that bitchness was when they played against Michigan at the end of the first half, he had all three timeouts and he burned all three of them to try to ice Jake Moody. And boy, would that have been a great meme if Michigan would have won that game because Jake Moody sunk all four of those kicks uh, because of the timeouts and whatever. So, uh, I mean, whatever. Jim Harbaugh, um, he's just asked, he's just answering a question that he uh, that he was uh, brought to. So, um, and um, real quick too. Again, I know I've gone on my time here. We even had this conversation in our fantasy football chat. The refs can leave a mark on the game, but they're not going to, they're not, they, they didn't cost Michigan the game against Michigan State. Michigan, we talked about it last week, man. They shot themselves in the foot. They had plenty of opportunities to win that game and score more points. So we're not going to blame the refs here and say that's the reason why Michigan lost. But um, I mean, you got to get over it. So Spartans are going to ride the, the coattails of Mel Tucker's comment there, is all I'm saying. Yeah, a bullshit call is a bullshit call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't I don't have to sit here on my high horse and tell you that Michigan lost because a halftime call was called incorrectly. I'm sorry. I'm not that ignorant, not that arrogant, and not that stupid to sit here and say, no, Michigan couldn't have made up for it in the second half when they could have. And at one point they had a thirty to fourteen lead. So I'm sorry. That has nothing to do with a, a bad football call in the first half. But you when you lose by four and four points are taken away at the end of the first half, I'm sorry, but I mean it's a bad call and it's a horrendous call. We we went over this last week, but um, yeah, I mean there, Mel, Mel Tucker, like you said, I think he's uh, he seems to be a personality as far as um he falls right in line with what Michigan State likes. He's he's literally Mark D'Antoni. I mean they're the same guy. They are the best, he, He's a phenomenal underdog. Uh, yes. We're going to prove you're wrong, coach. Yes. I'm not going to recruit five stars. I'll get some transfers. I'll get some hard-nosed kids that understand that they were not valued by your top programs. I'll coach them hard. They want to be coached hard because they were underdogs. And we'll, we'll get a win or two a year that we probably shouldn't, including wins over Michigan. Um, and we both said this last week, and I stick to this the better team lost the game because of poor coaching and, and poor second half adjustments. And um, it is what it is. I mean, so speaking of that, before we get into Penn state only because I, I feel like it's just, we're going to lead right into this mm-hmm. Michigan state last week, they lose to Purdue. Okay. Uh, a lot of people had Purdue. It, it wasn't a shocker. It was it was actually predicted by a lot of people that Purdue put, could potentially upset Michigan State. Had they they had already upset Iowa earlier in the year. They were at home. They completely outplayed Michigan State and they pick up the victory, uh, beating both a number two team in Iowa and now a number three team in Michigan State, dropping Michigan State below Michigan in the college football playoffs. We typically talk college football playoffs at the end of the pod, but I feel like it's fitting here. Um, we do have some mailbag questions as far as this too. Initially, 
Are you for it? Are you against it? What do you, what do you think there? Should Michigan be ranked above Michigan State? I'll let you answer. Absolutely. Michigan won. Michigan State lost. Michigan State lost to, you know, not a bad Purdue team. But, I mean, win-loss. Michigan's going to be right in front of you. And it's not like they dropped three three spots behind Michigan. They're right behind them. And the season's not over with. So, if you feel like you've been uh, shafted, go out and prove it. But, I mean, it is, I mean. Whatever, and the the the, the playoff committee chairman uh, backs the statement. He says that we thought Michigan was the better team that day, despite the loss. That's why they're six. That's why Michigan uh, Michigan State seven. So, uh, just that's just what's going to happen, man. Yeah. So initially, if you were to ask me right now, who should be higher in a non biased role, I would tell you probably Michigan State. But I completely understand why the committee put Michigan above Michigan State. First off, we know that the committee has always valued losing early rather than late. It has always been a thing. This is not new. This is not something they discovered last last week or last week or last yesterday or last year. They've been doing this for a long time. If you lose at the beginning of the year and win out, you will slowly rise up the rankings versus if you go undefeated, beating everybody 50 to 0, but lose the last week of the year, they're going to drop you down. They have to, based off of, even if everybody else has a loss, it's just how they view it. For whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense to you, but that's how they do it. It's pretty consistent, to be fair. Okay. So last week, Michigan State barely beats Michigan at home after several horrendous calls. And at one point, you were trailing in the football game 30-14, to 14, but you got the win. You got the win, okay? The very next week, you followed up with a loss against an unranked Purdue team. That has three losses. Based off of the Michigan State fans' view on life, that because they beat Michigan, they should be higher than Michigan, fair. Let's put Purdue at number five then, because they deserve to be higher than Michigan State. So Purdue, then Michigan State, then Michigan, because Purdue just beat you on the field. So they're clearly better. Per that logic, am I wrong? Right. You know what? While we're at it, let's just put Texas A&M at number two above Bama, because they beat Bama. So they're better. They deserve to be number two. If we're going off that logic alone, fine. Let's just keep it consistent. Let's keep that same energy. And all these Buckeye fans that are up in arms about Michigan being over Michigan State. Okay, well, when it comes down to it, in the four spots on the line, if it's between Oregon and Ohio State, who should get in? Let's keep that energy. I'm okay with it. Keep it consistent. I like consistency. Consistency is usually fair. (laughs) But regardless, we got some questions here. I think we may have answered them. Purdue has already spoiled two top five Big Ten. This is coming in from Kyle. Sorry. Kyle Miller. Thanks for writing in, dude. Purdue has already spoiled two top five Big Ten teams this year. Should Ohio State be concerned? If Purdue does get upset, sorry, if Purdue does get the upset, does that eliminate the Big Ten from college football playoffs? Okay, first off, before I even answer this question, I am sick and tired of everybody just assuming, and I'm not, again, not a single time have we predicted Michigan's beating Ohio State. We have not done that. 
But why is it just everybody's ruling out Michigan or Michigan State from making a run here? Everybody just assumes like, oh, well, if Ohio State can't get it, then nobody can get it. I'm sorry. What is that lackluster thought process? And this isn't me attacking you, Kyle. Thanks for writing in, dude. I appreciate the question. But you're not the first person that's asked this. I see this all the time. Matter of fact, I feel like we got this question maybe last week. If if a one-loss Ohio State team, like, oh, oh, okay. Like, there's other opportunities. Michigan can still beat them. Michigan State can still beat them. Hell, Purdue this weekend can still beat them. I don't know. Let's answer the first question. Purdue has already spoiled two top five Big Ten teams this year. Should Ohio State be concerned? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Purdue, Purdue's taken them down before, and I I don't know what the hell is in Purdue well, Gatorade, but big games, man, they come to freaking play. And, I I mean, let's be honest, uh, Coach Brom at Purdue's got a few more signature wins than Harbaugh does, and it's kind of a little ridiculous. But I don't – like, and when, when Purdue beat them – in 2018, and Rondell Moore went off to the damn moon. It was like 40 to, was it like 49 to 20? And that was breaking point of Michigan fans and self as well. Thought, man, we got a chance to beat Ohio State this year. They got the ass kicked by Purdue. They struggled against Maryland. Should have lost that game. And then now we're gonna travel there. Yes. First half whooped their ass, and the complete opposite uh, happened. So, yeah, I mean, you never want to take teams lightly. And if Purdue's already done it twice this year, you better freaking bring your A game. They threw they threw for five hundred something yards on one of the best defenses in the country last weekend. I think you should be should be a little uh, weary. Sure. Yeah. So to answer the question, should Ohio State be concerned? Absolutely. It's a Big Ten opponent in November. You need to worry about winning the game. But I'm also going to say, should they be concerned? They're not concerned to lose. I'm sorry. Ohio State's going to blow Purdue out. I think they win by three scores. The thing is, is Purdue, they were on, so Iowa was on upset alert against Purdue because you didn't expect it to happen. So they beat them. And then they're obviously, they'd already beat Iowa. It's like, oh, well, they got three losses. They're not going to. They're on upset. They beat Michigan State. Now it's like, all right. There's a there's a there's a formula here. This team can can play when Ohio State Ohio State plays up to their competition as good as anybody. Do they not? They always have. They always play down to the lower teams, but when when they're tested, they usually play well against Michigan, against Michigan State, against Clemson. They play well against those teams. Bama even, you know. So. I, I personally think that they, they blow out Purdue. I don't think it's close. Plus, the game's in Columbus. Um, but to answer the last question, if Purdue gets the upset of Ohio State, does that eliminate the Big Ten from the college football playoffs? No, absolutely not. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan, if that happens, they, they can control their own destiny. They can still get in there, and the committee is going to still respect those two schools if they win out and take care of business. Michigan's got to take care of business against Penn State this weekend, and Michigan State's got to take care of business, I think, against Ohio State this uh, in two weeks, and then at the end of the year at Happy Valley or at home, whatever, whatever the case may be, they play Penn State as well. So uh, both teams went out 
should be no reason why they don't get at least the four spot. So, John Villard, I'm not sure if he's actually writing in a question here, but we're going to I'm going to I'm going to create a question out of what he's saying. If Purdue wins regardless of record, beating three top 5 teams in one season, they should be in. So, he's kind of making a statement, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. If Purdue beats Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and somehow Michigan beats Ohio uh, Ohio State and has to play Purdue in the Big Ten title game, and Purdue beats Michigan with three losses, would you put them in the college football playoff? No. No? No. At that point, just no Big Ten's getting in? No. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, what What do we talk about, like, when, when, we, when we discuss – who should be in the NFL Hall of Fame and who shouldn't be? It's we want to. I you know we both agree that it's over your full body of work. It's not just a few games that you somehow upset somebody. You know what I mean? And you know, no, the Big Ten. The Big Ten is is uh, is done. So if that happens, the biggest Purdue fans on the planet should be the Cincinnati Bearcats, in my opinion. Yeah, they they should be. I'm sorry. Go to the Columbus, since you're close enough. Buy tickets to the game, wear Purdue gear, and make it loud because they're your best chance, in my opinion. You got to get Ohio State some more losses. And you know, I'll say this: if if for some universe thing happens where Purdue does take care of business, like you said, I think they're very well deserving of a New Year's Six game. I definitely think that they should be at the Rose Bowl, you know, something like that for sure, but not not, not in the playoff. If they do, hypothetically speaking, win the Big Ten, yes, I think that they should play in a bit New Year's Six, and I think they would. I think they would. Yeah. Deservingly so. Um, Lato writes in, why do you think Michigan over MSU at six? I kind of already stated this. I had a feeling I was answering your question. All I'm saying is, based off the logic of what everyone's trying to say, if you're a Michigan State over Michigan guy, Okay, you might as well put Purdue in there. You might as well put Texas A&M in there. You you, you could literally pick apart anybody's loss and say, well, now you have to rank them based off of that. So what I'll say to answer your question, why Michigan over Michigan State? Well, because last week Michigan won and Michigan State lost. Okay, Um, also because both teams have a chance to basically Fix it, meaning if Michigan State runs the table and Michigan runs the table, I think they would readjust Michigan State over to Michigan. I think they just would. A, because Michigan State would then go to the Big Ten title game because Michigan State controls their own destiny, Okay, where Michigan needs Michigan State to lose. If Michigan State goes to the Big Ten title game and beats whoever, I, I think at this point it's projected to be Wisconsin, well, at that point, Michigan State's going to re-jump Michigan. So there's really nothing to get up in arms about. I say this every single year until we're going to have a, 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 a at least eight or 12 or whatever the heck that ends up being. As long as it's four, it will sort itself out. It always does. It always does. The only argument every year is that non-Power 5 school that's undefeated. That's really the only argument. Everybody else... It takes care of themselves, especially when you're arguing apples and apples, meaning same conference opponents. Georgia and Bama is pretty much going to sort itself out. Now you could argue Bama beats Georgia, 
And then all of a sudden, okay, one and two swap. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State will sort itself out in three weeks. Mark my words. I, I think I think a lot of the Michigan State fans too are, are, are a little bit more even a little bit more salty than anyone else's. Uh, I think they're just uh, after that loss to them. I think now they're just expecting a fallout in November from from Jimmy. Is is about it. That's what I think. They're just expecting now the wheels are just going to fall off like they have been last. You know, pretty much the entire tenure. Um, and you know, too, like. That logic means that when Michigan lost to App State in 2007, that means App State should be the fifth-ranked team in the country. Doesn't it doesn't work like that? But yeah, I mean, uh, I hate to always go back to like, I feel like I always have a Patriot reference, and I'm gonna use it here. The NFL is a great. Oh, here's here's a great example. I won't even use the Patriots. Are the Jacksonville Jaguars better than the Buffalo Bills? Answer me that today. <laughs> Exactly. Hell no. Are they better? No. Did they beat the Jack the Buffalo Bills this past week? Yes. Do the Jacksonville Jaguars have Super Bowl hopes? Hell no. Do the Buffalo Bills? Absolutely. Please stop with this nonsense. Is Michigan State better than Michigan? Maybe. But guess what? Three weeks, son. It'll all figure itself out. I promise you that. It always does. Absolutely. It's it's not worth getting up in arms and over. It's just a waste of time. Um. Last thing before we wrap up the pod today. We got a big game. Yeah, we got a big game. We got a big game. Uh, It's at noon. Big noon kickoff. You know, Clatt, Johnson, Jenny Taft, the gang. They're going to host us. It's at State College. It is what they're calling a helmet stripe game. So it's basically a whiteout with a blue line in the middle of the stadium. It's a 50-yard line. So it's still a whiteout. It's not at night. It's not going to have the same atmosphere, but it's going to be loud. It's going to be big time. Michigan's got a, a tough road test. They've done fairly well on the road if we're being considerate of what this season was. We predicted several different losses this year before the season started on the road. And we've changed up some of our predictions as the season's gone on. We both thought we would beat Michigan State. We did not, though we do. We both agree we were the better team. What's your prediction for Saturday? Well, I'll say this. When I found out the game was not at night, uh, I was finally able to go to the bathroom because I was holding a, 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 my bladder was getting a little tight. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely it's – going to be a hostile environment. Penn State fans are probably one of the loudest in the country for sure. Um, and I've, I've talked all season uh, or at times about Sean Clifford. While I don't think he's um, anything first round, second round NFL draft style quarterback, I think he's just, he just makes some timely throws, man. I've said it before. Like I said, and you know, he's got 16 touchdowns, six picks. He takes care of the football. He's a gamer. And Michigan, uh, Penn State's defense is pretty damn good. They're probably just right around where Michigan State is. They're um, only allowing 350, two, just 213 in the air, 137 on the ground, while Michigan is 173 in the air. Or, uh, yeah, 173 in the air and 124 on the ground. So both of these run defenses are pretty solid. I think this is going to be uh, kind of like the Michigan State game. I think this is going to be – uh, wherever Cade McNamara takes us. If he repeats what he did in East Lansing, I think Michigan's chances are pretty solid. 
Uh, if we sit here and we try to pound the rock two, three yards at a time, sometimes four, uh, I think that's going to put us in the hole. But, again, Penn State's offense isn't uh, isn't like super, super scary. But uh, I feel like, man, with, with like third and five, third and seven, or like fourth and two, and Penn State's got the ball, I feel like th- – that is just like kryptonite for Michigan. Like they're going to almost, I can't, like, I can't look at the TV screen because then Sean Clifford is going to pick up the, the first down on his legs or he's going to hit a slant pass or something like that for like 15 yards. So uh, make this dude work for it. Get Sean Clifford to throw an interceptor to turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. And uh, kind of like how I said with Michigan state, no turnovers, T.O.P. Yeah, so um, those of you that listen weekly, you, you heard me talk last week. I called the loss to Michigan State a narrative game because it fits the narrative that Jim Harbaugh can't win these big games. Well, based off the criteria that I hear all the time, um, this actually would not be considered a narrative game. Michigan's actually favored in this game by one point, which the home team gets usually three, Okay. In my opinion, Penn State home games should, especially in a whiteout situation, now it's not a true night game. In my opinion, that's worth six. So I think if this game was at Michigan, they might be a full touchdown point or a full touchdown favorite in this game. Um, Penn State's also not ranked. So they're not playing a ranked team on the road. It's not going to fit the narrative that if, if Harbaugh loses. So in my opinion... I think Michigan takes care of this one. I just just based off the stats, um, Harbaugh against non-ranked opponents in the Big Ten has a tremendous record. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think he's like thirty and one or something crazy like that. So ultimately, I've seen enough from this team that I have confidence. They'll lose again this year, but in my opinion, that's to Ohio State. I'm not trying to jump ahead. I think they're going to take care of Penn State, and we'll see if they lose a third game in the bowl game. But I think they beat Penn State. There's enough yeah. there. And, and, you know, and J- and Jim Harbaugh needs this W, regardless on how big people think it is, uh, ranked non-ranked, uh, non-ranked Penn State team, uh, because J- James Franklin is compared – to to Jim Harbaugh a lot, or Jim Harbaugh is compared to James Franklin, whatever, vice versa. Yeah. And a lot of people who aren't Michigan fans give the nod to, to Franklin because he went to the Rose Bowl and had the, the Saquon Barkley year or whatever. Um, Penn State is a weird team this year because they were supposed to be projected way ahead of Michigan in the standings, and um, they've obviously underperformed at 6-3. and three. They... They lost to Iowa. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to Illinois in nine overtimes. They beat Maryland. They beat Auburn at home. They beat Wisconsin when they were twelve. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm. I don't. To me, I'm not so sure on the, if it being so cut and dry. Um, I just. I feel this is. We're, we're set up for another Michigan State style game. I think. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully, uh, Michigan pulls it out here. Do I think Michigan wins? They, uh, if they can do what they did against Michigan State, but capitalize on the mistakes that they did have, 
I think Michigan could be a double-digit favorite, but if they do not, if we go down the same Jim Harbaugh path, then um, I mean, we're going to be hearing Paul the Paul Feinbaums of the world on Twitter going on a, on a, on a rant. Yeah, I just think that Michigan's defense is actually going to be the difference in this game. Uh, you talked about Penn State's defense and, and how that is. I just I trust Michigan's offense a little more than I trust Penn State's defense, or uh, Penn State's offense, just because I think Penn State's going to probably have to throw it. Sean Clifford, and, and he's been pretty banged up this year. Uh, I just think Ajabo and, and Hutchinson and hopefully Upshaw are able to get in there and really disrupt this team and force them to be one-dimensional, and I think Michigan can can really take up the victory here. And I look for Hassan Haskins to have a – he's going to have a game. He's closing in on 1,000 yards rushing at Michigan, and he might hit it in this game. I, I just think that this matchup is way better than the Michigan State matchup, in my opinion, as far as a for-sure winner or loser prediction. The Michigan State was a, a more of a toss-up, and though we got ahead big in that game, I think we really jump out. The one thing I'll say about Penn State, though, their fans are way more passionate, way more loyal than Michigan State fans are. Penn State, those fans aren't going to go away. They're going to be there the whole game. They're going to they're going to light us up, and they're going to make them themselves known. Their presence will be felt. But I think Michigan can capitalize and really get something done. Anything else, sir? Uh, not really about Penn State at all, man. I just um, hopefully it's just a good game. Hopefully we get the W because uh, I re- I really want Indianapolis. I really want an excuse to uh, do a Saturday with the boys trip to uh, to Indy for a championship game. It's what all I want for Christmas, right? So hopefully uh, they can take care against the Nittany Lions and. Uh, Keep the Jim Harbaugh uh, detractors quiet for another week. Yeah, the idea of this team competing for a Big Ten title doesn't seem real yet. But if we're able to take care of Penn State, I know this team can beat Maryland. And then at that point, it's a coin flip. That last game becomes a coin flip game. So, um, We'll see. So with that said, well, uh, hopefully we gave you enough here. We'll log off. Um, Hassan Haskins, I just talked about him going. Um, he's just shy of a, a thousand yards. So he's got in nine games, 829 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns. So he's probably not going to hit. Ah, if Quorum doesn't play, he might hit the thousand yard mark in this game. It's very doable. And he would actually be on pace. Hey, he might he might hit Mark, Mike Hart's uh, single season. We'll see. I don't want to jump ahead, but we've gone an hour, touched a little hoops, talked a little college football playoff. Gosh, talked Indiana, talked Penn State. We'll log off. Anything else? Go blue, buddy. Go blue. I'll see you later. Real talk, guys.